0: The three two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow. Ow. Ow.
1: It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So I took one for the team. baseball fans welcome back to put me in coach a baseball fans podcast my name is Matt Coggins
0: and my name is Carl Mizell and welcome back from the woods
1: (laughs) you know I I'm glad you said welcome back to me because I was gone one of my biggest pet peeves with podcasts is when they go welcome back as if you just came back from a commercial break, even though it's the top of the episode, and I yeah. just did one of my biggest podcast pet peeves.
0: <laughs> I used to when I when I had my first podcast, I used to say thank you for listening today, whenever today might be for you, because you could listen to you could go listen to those episodes that are three yeah. years old now, and it would still be relevant.
1: It's not radio. Where you know, hey, if you're listening to this in the year 2025, welcome back.
0: Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Where were you? To- <laughs> two years ago how are so yeah so you you took off to the woods for a couple of days and, and how was that
1: it was good um, I I had a <laughs> I had felt a need um, to unplug from baseball and I was like well this is a good opportunity I, I turned the alerts off my MLB app didn't listen to the games didn't really pay attention because um, both the Tigers and the Mets have been on a torrid losing streak Um mm. And, uh, and I was just, after the Mets got swept by the Braves, I was like, you know what? I'm done for a couple of days. This is, I I, got to really call it a day with baseball for a minute. Um, and you know what? I still love it. I'm still here. I'm still ready to talk about all the good things that happened this week. Tigers and the Mets are not going to make uh, a lot of the highlight reels this week. But,
0: no. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of the uh, Tiger talk for this week is that they are the only team in Major League Baseball who has yet to win in the month of June, and they are currently losing to the Atlanta Braves four to nothing. So they're probably going to keep that streak alive. Yeah. There's your Tiger talk for the week. You guys, hey, Tiger. Mm. Hey, Detroit Tigers. I know you listen. You want us to talk about you? Play better.
1: Come on. I'm not going to give you the roar either. You get like a sad like. Yeah, How, was your weekend all right? You you were not in the woods. I was not in the woods. I
0: was at home, uh, hanging out with the family. I've got a big work trip coming up next week, so I'm kind of like laying low before that. Uh, started t-ball. I'm coaching my my five year old son's nice. t-ball team. We had our first practice on Friday, our first game, and I'm using that term loosely because I was studying. Like, how do you coach T-Ball? How do you do this? And they're like, well, you got to teach them the basics, teach them the positions and do all that and make sure they don't all chase after the ball. All that's out the window. Yes. They just, it was pure chaos. And they were just like, I want to hit, I want to catch. They, the One kid, she was constantly going after the ball and I had to like move her. I was like, move over, the, go out there, go out there and let all the other kids get a chance. And one parent was, you know, trying to like usurp my power. And I was like, no, this is... Yeah. But it was a Look blast. I'm and the coach now. Exactly, exactly. Right here, eyes on me. Um, but it was an absolute blast. That's why my voice is a little gravelly because I was yelling, Yeah. first base, run to first base. I had a girl on the team. She hit the ball and started running straight to second. And I respect that because <laughs> the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Yeah. So that's good for her, but also that's also not in the rules. So ultimately T-ball is just for fun and energy and in yeah. learning how to move your body and be a team, you know, be a team member. And they all did a great job. And, uh, my son in particular is very proud. He, uh, smoked one, uh, the opposite field, you know, off the tee, uh, wow. right down the, right down the first baseline,
1: just like I taught him. Very nice. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my biggest question is going to be, how often did you have to remind the kids which way to run? Because uh, I remember that from T-Ball yeah. being a big thing. <laughs> uh, that literally, one, guys. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say, like, literally every other child. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, guys, today on the show, we're going to be talking a lot of news. A lot of cool stuff happened this weekend. And we're also going to be digging into records, baseball records. And, uh, you know, ones that may or may not be able to be beaten in the future, Um, We're gonna uh, dig nice and deep in that. Carl did the lion's share of the work this week and I wanted to honor him uh, with this beer that I bought specifically because it reminded me of you and a tattoo that you have. uh, We've got the Whaler's Pilsner (gasps) with this very uh, Kraken-esque artwork on it. This is from uh, Kid Squid Brewing Company out of Sag Harbor. Um, Sag Harbor, which I think is in Riverhead, New York, Kid Squid Brewery. This is a crisp American pilsner, and that is the beer of the week.
0: Oh, that, yeah, Matt is referring to the massive uh, Cthulhu piece that I have on my right shoulder that you cannot see because this is a... An, an audio medium uh maybe i'll take a i'll, I'll snap a picture of it and, and post it on the socials so it, like take a picture of that and then i'll put po- you send me that and i'll take a picture of the shoulder and we'll we'll compare and contrast but that, that is that is a really cool i mean i am one of those people that i will try a beer if i'm like ah, i don't really know what i want like if i'm not in the mood for anything i will go based off the can yeah. art
1: and that was 100% this one i mean i was like oh it has like pilsner i love a good pilsner but hey i mean if it's got the cool ass artwork you might as well try it so let's give it a shot here well it's good artwork i'll give it that <laughs> yep that's beer um well all right let's get into the news of the week yep um let's do it. so so uh do you want me to read these uh because this it feels very much in your voice and and you prepped all these stories so i'm wondering if you want to dig in or
0: yeah you know you know what yeah let's you know what let's um start making like the rules for the podcast now that we've been doing this for about four months
1: (laughs) and on Uh, air too
0: yeah you you do the news if you write the news you you present the news and then you can be me and make uh pithy uh, and not really as funny as you think they are comments about it.
1: <laughs> um, just like uh just like uh, the the news. <laughs>
0: wackity schmackity do well i don't think that anybody is going to consider this news given his uh history but jacob Degrom has been shelved yet again and will undergo tommy john surgery for the second time in his career and i i know i've said this many times i don't like being right about this but um on a normal tommy john timeline this means that he is probably going to miss all of next year and he is not coming back until his age 37 season he turns uh he, wow. His birthday's in June. I think his birthday's like a week from today, um, and so he will be back right around the time he turns thirty-six. He was thirty-six or almost thirty-seven, and I don't think the, I don't think the Rangers are going to get their money's worth on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean the the plus side is that they do still have him signed through when he would theoretically come back. Um, but in that same vein, I mean, like he was heartbroken. Like I, I a guy yeah. like Degrom is normally very you know, unemotional stone faced kind of guy. He was openly crying and being like, I, I feel like there's a, a definite, definite palpable sense that could this be the end of his career as a starter as we know it. I mean, two Tommy Johns is not a career killer. Getting a Tommy John at his age is not a career killer. Justin Verlander just did it recently. Yep. Um. So there's, a chance he might come back, but maybe yeah. he won't be a starter anymore. Maybe he might just be like a really elite reliever or a closer. Like th- those are, uh, opportunities are always still out there, but mm-hmm. it's a shame. What a talent! And uh, just had he just not thrown so damn hard you know
0: yeah no and, and that's that's what is so i think he is going to go down as one of the most frustrating players in major league history to be that electric and that talented that said i completely agree with where you're at and can you imagine if he comes back in two years and the rangers continue to be as good as they are and you get in the yeah. playoffs and then you have to deal with the fact that jacob fucking Degrom can come out of the bullpen and probably go two, three innings and you're like oh man we're only down by one and we got three innings to play Oh, who's in the bullpen? Ah, shit.
1: Yeah.
0: (sighs) And in other depressing news about once electric pitchers, just one season after finishing third in the AL Cy Young race, Blue Jays pitcher Alec Manoa has been sent all the goddamn way down to the Florida Complex League. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Minor league, you know, like tier system that is low A or rookie ball. Uh, at the time he was sent down, he was sporting a six point three six ERA and a negative one point three uh, B WAR. His slider, uh, which was devastating for him in twenty twenty two, batters only hit one ninety off it last season. They are now just clobbering that pitch for a three twenty eight average and a six twenty six slugging percentage. And and some people have pointed out. Correctly, in my opinion, that he's not going down to like play rookie ball. They're sending him to their their like pitching lab, so to speak, because they, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, think there's something either in his head or mechanically, his velocity has been down. Um, I love this guy. I've, I've gone on record on the show, I believe, and, and said that I think even last week, you know, I called him big, thick, beefy pitcher, and I, he knows yeah. that and he loves that about himself, and I love it about him, and I don't like seeing it, but he is he is not right.
1: What's interesting is he's not even, you know, the only dominant pitcher from last year that has struggled this year. I think that uh, a lot of the guys that were finalists for Cy Young, including Verlander and Al, uh, Al- oh my God, Sandy Alcantara, um, they they've struggled mightily. And yeah. even um, Shohei Otani is not pitching to the extreme elite level that we're used to. You know, I think that that uh, there's something about this season, and I don't think it's I don't think it's the balls. You know, I don't necessarily. I know I've I've pointed fingers at saying certain players might be juicing or not. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think the pitch clock is a huge thing to do with it, and I think that. I don't know. It's just there's there's something in the air this year where hitting has been kind of electric and, and, and a lot of teams... Uh, last couple of years, a lot of teams were propelled a lot by their defense and their pitching. This year has been extremely on the offensive side. And the unfortunate side effect of that is pitchers like Manoa get hit hard and there's really no recourse to fix it.
0: Yeah, and and, and we I didn't put it in the news because it's I think it could be its own topic, but um, apparently the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, like the clock is like running faster at, at, at Citizens Bank yeah. Ballpark, and uh, Aaron Nola came under some fire because he's been trying to like job the clock and like constantly ask for balls to sort of like get a get a you know catch a blow. I think it could be a lot of pitchers are struggling with the the pitch clock, you know, that you get into that routine yeah. and, you know, we've talked about it, even young guys that came up through the minors. Yeah. They're used to it, but Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander, you know, like these guys, not all these guys that are struggling with it or might be struggling with it came from the minors while it was down there. But like I said, that was a different, that's a different story for a different episode uh, in his victory against the Mets on Friday. Apologies to Matt. Uh, yeah. Rich. <laughs> Rich Hill threw 100 in 19 pitches forty-three-year-old yeah, Rich Hill. Uh, for comparison, I'm forty-four. Uh, he threw one hundred and nineteen pitches in seven innings. That total is the highest by a pitcher age forty-three years or older since Tim Wakefield threw one hundred and nineteen pitches on June fourth, twenty eleven. It is also the most by a forty-three or older, forty-three-year-old or older pitcher, uh, non-knuckleball pitcher, since Jamie Moyer threw one hundred and twenty-two pitches on July twenty-first, two thousand at the age of 45 in brighter Mets news the uh, Mets did DFA Tomas Nito
1: <laughs> yay I mean yeah uh <clears throat> on on the Nito front I'll just say it's like it's kind of sad to see uh an organizational guy get defa'd like that but um He was also very, very bad this year, so it's kind of hard when you've got... uh, Catching is not a a very offensively productive position as it is, and and so you're usually just looking for a guy that that can kind of be there in the lineup and play good defensively, and uh, he struggled with an injury, and uh, Alvarez came up and kind of made a name for himself and and made the position his own. So once Omar Narvaez came off the IL, it was sort of like, well... Do you want a veteran who can hit or this guy who can't, you know? Yep. But Dick Hill, um, God damn, like, he's really having a year for himself. Um, because I remember he, he pitched very well against the Tigers, too, and um, very effective in that 119. I mean, I didn't watch this game. As I mentioned, I kind of tuned out. Yeah. But um, very, very effective in, in his uh, in his pitch selection, and he's really been able to uh, control the strike zone. Uh, again, we're talking about pitchers that – have struggled this year he doesn't seem to be one of them and uh good for him
0: yep there's an excellent book uh i can't remember the authors it's it was written by two uh ben Lindbergh and travis sochick i think it's called the mvp machine and there's a chapter in there where they talk about like the reclamation of of rich hill and basically i think it was boston who because when brian bannister uh, who's now in san francisco as a pitching coach uh was in boston they were like hey man your curveball's like really good you should throw it more often and he's like why everybody told me not to he did and guess what You know, it's extremely effective. Um, Speaking of DFA's uh, and brighter DFA news, the Toronto Blue Jays DFA'd or designated for assignment reliever and noted bigot Anthony Bass. You might remember him as the guy who complained that a flight crew had the audacity to ask his family to clean up after themselves. But you may also remember that he shared some extremely homophobic views on social media, removed it, apologized, quote unquote, um and then sort of doubled down on it uh yeah. he he was set to, to catch the ceremonial first pitch for the jays pride night on the same day he was dfa'd but then uh G- general manager of the blue jays ross atkins was like nah man actually you're you're a bigot and you're bad at baseball so kick rocks
1: yeah it is kind of funny to see the right wing media machine be like how dare they fire him for his views and it's like hmm I I don't think they did. (laughs) I think think the views may have played uh, a part in it, but uh, pitching like shit also probably doesn't help either. And not having options to get... Uh, sent down
0: yeah no uh uh, ross atkins definitely said the quiet part out loud he was like yeah no i mean his performance is a big part of it but the 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 bigotry stuff was a a little bit of it but his era is almost five this year so you know whatever uh you
1: can only get away with being a piece of shit if you're good at the game i mean marcelo zuna still plays for the braves and i doubt he would if he wasn't hitting the ball you know
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, exactly. And 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 that's the I, I, as much credit as I'd like to give Toronto in this regard. I'm not going to give them uh, too much in brighter baseball news. Shohei Otani fell one hit shy of the cycle while also pitching yet again, bringing his season total of almost cycles to three.
1: What was the hit? What was he missing?
0: I didn't I didn't go that deep. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I
1: remember the last was it the last time he was just a a triple shy and he ended up just hitting a home run instead or something like that. I, I don't
0: know if that was I, I remember Adam Duvall uh before he got injured, he needed a single and instead hit a two run walk off homer. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I would have just hit the single, but I mean he felt like he wanted to win the game. So I guess. Fuck it. Uh we had and this is this one's for you, we had another near no hitter this past weekend as Chicago Cubs starter Kyle Hendricks threw seven and two thirds no hit innings against the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> couldn't quite lock it down we are still i can't i I, i'm honestly i'm honestly shocked that we are this far into the season and we've had this many near no-nos but we haven't gotten all the way even a combined one
1: right yeah it's crazy i wonder we should do some math uh in between episodes and figure out if if this may be the longest drought in between no-nos because it's been a while i mean i don't know when the last one was but there were definitely more last year What's up, guys? It's Matt Cutting in here with an editor's note. There were three total no-hitters during the 2022 season. Only one of them was by a single pitcher, Reed Detmers for the Angels against the Rays on May 10th. There was also a combined no-hitter by the Mets versus the Phillies on April 29th and the Astros against the Yankees on June 25th. There was also a combined no-hitter in the World Series, of course. How could we forget that? Houston versus Philly. On November 2nd. So, uh, it's been since then, since we've seen a no-hitter, and been since June 25th since we've seen a no-hitter in the regular season. Back to the show.
0: Um, In esoteric uh, historical news, rookie Dodgers pitcher Bobby Miller made some very specific history as he became just the third pitcher in Major League Baseball history to go at least five innings and allow no more than one run in each of his first four career games within the same season. (gasps) He is also yes. the only pitcher in MLB history to go 3-0 and with a sub-3 ERA while compiling at least 23 strikeouts and allowing fewer than 15 hits in his first four games. Now, is it cool to be the only major league pitcher in baseball history to do a thing? Yes, but I, I, I think we're kind of splitting hairs here, but I don't want to diminish the fact that Bobby <laughs> Miller is having a hell of a start to his career.
1: It feels definitely like one of those, like... Those things they pull out in a broadcast to to make a guy seem more impressive than it is. I think what's most impressive uh, as a credit to both Bobby and the Dodgers organization is that they had like 90% of their rotation go down with injury uh, in a month, you know, and they haven't really lost pace uh, on the season. That says a lot about the Dodgers as an organization that they can just call up a guy like Bobby and he's ready to go and he's pitching like this right out of the gate you know
0: absolutely it's a it's an embarrassment of riches and it's very impressive to see what the Dodgers are doing it's less impressive well it's it's still it's I was gonna say it's less impressive it's actually really annoying that the Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks uh, are in first place in the in the National League West a team that lost over 100 games I believe two seasons ago mm-hmm. looking at you Detroit Tigers yeah you team of the perpetual rebuild Tiger Talk not so great right now. Uh, Passing the roar. No, don't do it. Speaking of rookies, off to great starts. Top Reds prospect, Ellie De La Cruz made his Major League Baseball debut and wasted no time living up to his top prospect, Billing, in five games as of this recording. He's hitting .316, one homer, Two steals and an OPS of 1.041. He has also recorded the fastest home to third time in the majors of the the majors this season on a triple. Corbin Carroll came real damn close in the game against the Tigers yesterday. He was at that. 10.93. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz went home to third in 10.83 seconds. I'm tired even just thinking about that. The hardest hit ball by the Reds all year at 114.8. miles per hour and the aforementioned
1: home run was hit so goddamn high it got picked up by flight radar yeah it was far too but the height was what it was (laughs) the airport was like what the fuck it's too um,
0: high. It's too high. Yeah, he
1: literally said in, a, in an interview after the fact. He's like, "I'm the fastest man in the world." <laughs> and yeah. Honestly, good for him. Good for the Reds. Like, what a good call up. Uh, glad to see prospects that that make their debut and and come out of the gate swinging. Um, you always love to see that, you know.
0: Absolutely, I would love to see it in for Detroit. our own team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, noted bad baseball team, Oakland Athletics swept the Milwaukee Brewers to cap a five game winning streak and add on to their post losing streak run of eight wins against four losses, including a series win against the National League powerhouse Atlanta Braves very impressive stuff. And, uh, also there was some news and the on the, on the move to Las Vegas front, they did not get any, uh, You know, they were not able to get in front of the legislature's special session to request um, taxpayer money for Mm -hmm. that stadium in Las Vegas. So it's not completely dead on arrival just yet, but there is it just means there's more time for John Fisher to mess this up. And that's that's what I'm here for. Uh, And then lastly, speaking of disasters, and I'm glad you pointed this out because this is one of my favorite things (laughs) to point out. Um, Over the weekend in Philadelphia, there was a tanker fire uh, on I-95. I'm so glad I don't live out there anymore because I traveled up and down I-95 a lot for yeah. work. Uh, uh, so a portion of northbound I-95 uh, right along the river there uh, near, like, the Tacony Bridge uh, collapsed, and it's going to ruin traffic uh, for, for many months, if not years.
1: Uh, so obviously that night Nick Castellanos hit a home run. Yep. I saw on Twitter somebody was like, oh, there was a tragedy in Philadelphia today? I know what I'm betting, and it was showed their DraftKings, uh, uh, you know, bet slip, and it was Castellanos to hit a home run. And the odds were still something like plus 500, so they made, I don't know the math, five times their, their money. Um, yeah, uh, so now we know if there's ever a tragedy, it's even money, I guess, to bet on Castellanos did a home run. <laughs>
0: seriously that's what you know like people have a system you know and that that yeah. should be that should be your system i don't i don't i'm not a gambler but if you're a gambler keep an eye out for tragedies get like your big bruce wayne bat cave like wall <laughs> of screens and then just go that sounds tragic to fan to fan duel nicks not, hitting
1: home run today yep not a sponsor um what's up baseball fans it's matt here just Dropping in to say one thing we didn't really cover this week because we recorded a little bit in the past was the reverse boycott that happened uh, in the Coliseum for the Oakland A's this week. Now, I'm, I'm also talking to you in the past, but you're listening to this on Wednesday morning or later. Uh, the boycott happened Tuesday night. Um, I don't really know how it went. I'd love to cover it. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about it next week. So in case you're like, hey, why didn't you talk about that? That's why. Recorded it on Monday. Back to the show.
0: So that is the uh, news of the week. And thank you. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, 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 first of all, I, I, I'm still like learning your, uh, your timing for the sound effects we'll get there there will be one day we will have an episode where I speak over none of your sound effects but that's the uh the problem with recording from like 800 miles you know 800 yeah, miles apart know, um, the
1: internet the delay yeah the, the it also takes you a minute to press the button and when it comes yeah. out into the thing you know it, whatever
0: but when that happens it will be a, a, a remarkably noteworthy achievement not unlike the achievements we're about to talk about right
1: now what a fucking transition
0: Let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, so to peek be behind the curtain, usually Matt and I pick a topic for the, the week's episode, Yeah, sometimes two or three days before we record. But this one came together pretty quick. I have always been fascinated with records, baseball records. And some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight are not necessarily records. They're more like noteworthy achievements that will probably never be replicated. And I think are just fascinating. Yeah. Um, but so tonight we're going to talk or today or whenever it's twenty twenty five 25 yeah. permanent it's 2025 it's permanent winter um and you know it's thanks whomever ruined us It's us. We ruined us. So now it's the day after tomorrow. Anyway, that went on too long. So tonight we're going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to talk about some records that we think are completely unbreakable. We're going to talk about some records that could possibly be broken. And we're going to talk about some of the weirdest records. And that's where some of the noteworthy achievements come in. So I listed a, a couple I got. Let's see here. I got eight records that I think are completely unbreakable. Now you could probably bring up a bunch of other records. Um, I did not put like the 70, I think 73 home runs. I think Barry Bonds hit in a single season. I did mm-hmm. not put the 762 career home runs of Barry Bonds. I think those will be broken one day. Just not any times. I mean, I think they will be broken just not anytime soon because a major league baseball will at some point probably be uh, suffering and hemorrhaging fans. And so they're going to like juice the balls, juice the balls, juice the balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah put fucking tennis balls out there
1: it is an interesting question to think like had they juiced judge from the beginning of last season what his total might have ended up with yeah you know yeah i could see that now that you're saying it i could see it happening 73 is not that much different than 61 over the course of a season
0: no that's that's an roughly two home runs a month yeah you know because i mean the season's roughly six six months you know so if you can get 10 home runs or eh, 12 home runs a month, you can you can do it. So let's start off. I, I, I think that the ultimate unbreakable record is Cal Ripken Jr.'s 2,632 consecutive games played streak. I just think that at, baseball players are handled differently these days. I don't think anybody – I mean, even back when he was playing, people were calling for him to take a break and sit down. Yeah. And a lot of people were criticizing him and saying – you know uh it's you're 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 making this about you they even famously uh pretended to be there was there was a light thing because he beat up kevin costner uh, we talked about that in a previous episode yeah i
1: remember that from the conspiracy theories episode yeah a couple episodes back you think anybody's ever going to get there? I don't think so. I think the other impressive thing about Ripken is that he was a position player too. He wasn't like a DH, he wasn't a pitcher. He was he was there on the field every single day. Um never got injured, uh you know, never took a break, never got tired, uh and also like performed well enough where they let him do that. Uh not necessarily to say that he was great every single game, so it's like, well, of course we're going to play Cal. Uh, just he just played well enough where they're like, well, we can't pull him, you know. It's the streak, you know. Yeah. So I do, I do think that, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I doubt it. I, it would be, it would be insane. And if, if it were ever to happen, I look at a guy like Pete Alonso, a guy that like, uh, defiantly doesn't take days off, you know. Like that's yeah. a thing with certain players where they're like, I play every day, I don't take a day off. And teams like that, they don't even. They don't even put a second position player of that of that same position on the roster because they're like, well, this guy's here every day. Why do we need another first baseman? Well, then they'll get injured, right? Like injuries happen in baseball all the time. Like even your star players like Judge or Alonzo right now. And then, you know, what's your backup plan? They didn't have a backup plan for Cal Rifkin because it was like, well, he's going to be out there every night. Like might as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. His, his leg fell off. Too bad. So back on. He's got to get out there. He's Cal yeah. Jr. Um, this one, I, I'm surprised. I've talked about this one before in like not on the pod, but I've talked to, about it to people that I know just it, it, casually, and they had no idea that this ever even happened. Johnny Vandermeer's two consecutive no hitters. We have gone hmm. an entire season with no, no, no-nos, no, no's, no, um, no, no's. Johnny Vandermeer went in through two consecutive uh no hitters which i believe was in 1952 you think that if i was handling all the the research for this that i would have uh (laughs) done that so instead what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna talk real slow and uh i'm gonna look it up real quick
1: (laughs) well while you riff i i do think that this one i don't i think it's incredibly hard uh i don't think it'll happen anytime soon but i think it's possible uh, if uh, if anybody's in for a nice long baseball watch, I'd, I recommend... Uh, I always talk about the Darktown series from SB Nation. Uh, it's a great documentary series. They did a series on a guy named Dave Steve who played for the Blue Jays. Yes! He's kind of famous, not only for just being an amazing pitcher, but he came so fucking close to throwing a no-hitter so many times in his career including three starts in a row where he got to the ninth inning with a no-hitter until it got blown up three in a row so you know one out away from breaking this record yeah Uh, but yeah i mean like again that it didn't happen but i'm saying like it's it's come close so i i don't want to i don't know if this one's Officially book closed like some of right. these other ones.
0: Yeah. All right. Something I dog eared, dog eared a chapter. <laughs> yeah. It was nineteen thirty-eight, by the 30s. way. Damn. Yeah, nineteen thirty-eight. Uh I remember watching this uh this happen. I saw Ichiro Suzuki get uh break I saw him break George not live, I was watching on television. I saw him break George Sisler's uh, single uh season hit record, two hundred and sixty-two hits in a single season. That's um nice. It's it is, and this was one of the craziest things. I did not realize this. He had seven hundred and three at bats that season. If you get six hundred at bats in a season, that's a lot. They he how they were able to get him, and he was obviously the leadoff hitter. So he's gonna you know they're gonna turn the lineup over more. Um, but I saw somebody pointed out that in order to do that, to order to break that. Just by one hit, you would have to get 700 at bats and hit 373 for the entire season. My God.
1: <laughs> That's insane.
0: Yeah. So even if Luis Arias, you know, could hit, you know, 370, 375, he's probably not going to get 700 at bats.
1: Yeah. Um, I got his baseball reference pulled up right now because I was curious. And so he's still hitting uh, close to 400. Uh, he has had 229 at bats. Um, uh, how you know, many we, games? 61, 61 okay. games. So, so he's ju- played most of them. Yeah.
0: So just, just under four at-bats a game, mm-hmm. you know, cause if, if he got four at-bats a game, he'd have 244
1: at-bats right now. So, so 91 hits in that. And so that, that doesn't track to break this record no. at all. <laughs> like, no, so, so he, he,
0: Yeah. He's, he would still not break this record based on that pace. That's exactly. It's insane. Here's a quick question for you as an aside. Do you consider... Ichiro to be the true hit king or because of his, his performance. If you combine his uh, Nippon professional baseball statistics with oh. his major league statistics, or is it Pete Rose?
1: Oh, I'd say probably Ichiro. I mean, like, we, we discount a lot of what he did in Japan before he came over here, but, um, you know, he had a whole career in Japan before he came to the U.S. So, yeah, yeah I'd, say, I'd say that. I, I mean, the other thing, like, he's also like, so many guys have passed him on the career hits list. uh uh, in the mlb but you got to remember he had how many in japan too (laughs) so
0: yeah i i agree i i well i agree in as much that do i think he's one of if not the best hitters of i i would put i would put him up against tony Gwynn um as you know the best hitters of all time uh but pete rose took like 24 seasons to do. I mean, he just stuck yeah. around, which is not, I don't want to discount what he did because it takes a lot to stick around for 24 years. Absolutely. Pete Rose showed up a lot in a lot of these lists. I didn't include anything, but he has made the most outs. He's had the most plate appearances. I don't think anybody's ever going to touch those records. Just uh, a,
1: again, a, another same with Ripken, just a long, <laughs> Uh, lucky career, and I think those guys really uh, would agree with that. They were lucky not to be injured and got the opportunity to be out there for so long.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of people who were out on the field for a long time, Nolan Ryan's five thousand seven hundred and fourteen career strikeouts. I think that is pretty much, especially the way they handle pitchers these days. I think that yeah, is. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> lock it up. I mean, I, I actually I,
1: probably say I don't think there are any uh, pitchers playing right now that will catch up with Verlander or Scherzer uh, or Grinke. Like like Those three, I think, are probably locked for their numbers, and I don't think anybody will pass them that's currently playing.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that the Hall of Fame is going to have to, especially with pitchers, the Hall of Fame is going to have a reckoning because I don't think you're going to see another 300-game winner. Verlander might get there if he pitches two more seasons Maybe three. I I, I don't He'd think so. He'd have to so. pitch a
1: lot better than he has this year.
0: Yeah, no shit. But yeah, I think that one. I I think Nolan Ryan uh, is pretty comfortable with that one but uh, again because of the way the game has changed uh which is also why i don't think that anybody is ever going to catch ricky henderson in his one thousand four hundred and six stolen bases no way
1: yeah ricky was a generational talent on top of like he had a talent for getting on base that was number one that's number one to stealing bases you got to get on base yep and he could do that but then like i do this a lot in the show which is fun cuz it's a baseball game but in real life the average guy can't go steal second and then just immediately get up and go steal third after you know like you don't usually get two opportunities to steal a base in a single at bat he did it all the fucking time
0: yeah and he would tell people I'm 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 going you could not stop him no he was so he was so amazing I was I can't remember I I didn't see it but he he's the single season record the modern record is 130 stolen bases by Ricky Henderson Mm -hmm. but he almost broke a dead ball like I didn't include dead ball era records I didn't include Cy Young's 511 wins I that that stuff doesn't count to me That's I, yeah exactly uh but he almost broke the single season like dead ball era so stolen base record which i believe was 138 wow yeah it was there there, there was somebody i can't remember who it was again i because it was dead ball but they had 100 100 runs 100 rbi and 100 stolen bases in a single season um, but again dead ball you're never you're never going to see that again because it was just an entirely different uh game hack wilson noted short king hack wilson who has another very esoteric record as we've mentioned on the show before he has the all-time uh career lead in home runs for dudes five foot six and shorter hey yeah but 274 but i actually think that is a record that could be broken if jose altuve uh stays healthy he's closing in on him let's go short king that's right hack wilson's 191 rbi in a single season is probably just as safe as no relation uh chief wilson's 36 triples how do you do that in one in one you you run fast
1: (laughs) and again put the ball in play in just the right way like that's wild
0: and, and, and the triple is my favorite hit. I was watching the Tigers game. It's the only game, yes. the only Tigers game I've watched in like the last week. Um, and I was watching the game yesterday while I was editing the other podcast that I'm on. And Corbin Carroll hit that ball to the gap. And I was like, I just, I stopped. I was like, yeah, this is a triple. If he doesn't get a triple, I'm going to completely stop believing in Corbin Carroll because he is one of my favorite young players right now. Uh, I think he's probably the front runner for the National League Rookie of the Year because I didn't pick him for that um and then one,
1: one more well, i want to oh, put the the triples number in perspective for this season uh like we mentioned offense is kind of up this year uh base stealing is kind of easier with the bigger bases um the current league leader in triples could you have a guess who it might be
0: is, is it the i think the last i saw the american league was bobby witt jr he had four the last time i saw it. he might have five now
1: Oh, I was just going uh, league uh, oh, league wide.
0: Yeah, but it can't be more than five or six.
1: Uh, the league leader is Key Brian Hayes with five. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Witt has four. Yep. Or oh, for- Oliveras pulled ahead of him with four. Or they're tied. So yeah. two Royals, and Pittsburgh Pirate.
0: And then uh, Riley Green for a while would show up because he had because for a while it was Bobby Witt Jr. with four and Riley had three. Um, but yeah. that's what But that's what happens. I, I could probably leg out a triple if I hit it to right center field in Comerica Park, and I am i don't have the wheels I used to have. The last um truly unbreakable record that we're going to talk about tonight is a Barry Bonds record, but it's not any of the other ones that we talked about. He, in, uh, I believe it was 2002, had 232 walks in a single season. Yikes. Put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame.
1: Was that... Was that the same season he broke the record? No, no, no. But it had a lot to do with it, cause how many of those had to have been intentional walks? Because I'm facing Barry Bonds, I'm I, not I, throwing him the damn ball. I,
0: I do believe just about, if not half, were just about half, if had not half, been, were, right? were intentional. I know he's got the record for most intentional walks in a season too. Yeah. Now we're gonna move on to some records that could be broken, and the first one that I the first one that i put on there should you should immediately know where i'm going with this the career record for home runs by a pitcher is 37 oh by wes farrell so that's i'm obviously yeah that's it now to be fair we're obviously talking about shohei otani um, yeah. and he doesn't pitch every night but on the nights that he does pitch those home runs can count to this towards this total oh. Okay. So uh, I do think that he could do it. He could also definitely be uh, part of the, the 10-10. I think it was 10-10 or 10-10-10 club that Zach Grinke was trying to get a hold of. He was trying to get uh, join the uh, pitchers who have gotten 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases.
1: Zach Grinke's stolen that many bases? That's well, he not... hasn't. He hasn't. Oh.
0: He wants to. Um, I think he, I think uh, Shohei could do that one as well. So I that one's uh, kind of like a... Uh, sneaky uh, inclusion on the list. But it would Uh,
1: have to be a guy like Shohei since we don't have uh, pitchers batting anymore in the National League. And there are a ton of pitchers that were actually decent hitters. Uh, Jacob deGrom is a great example. Because he also uh, came up as a shortstop, I think, before he started pitching. So like, some guys have a decent amount of talent for that. Uh, that are just probably never gonna hit again because
0: you don't have to. <laughs> One of my favorite stories to tell about Jacob deGrom, uh, his digital version is, I was playing a ranked online game in MLB The Show and we were just naked it was like 0-0. Zero, zero. It was just a sweat fest. I should have pulled him in the ninth. I, 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 was, I left him in to hit and I hit a walk-off home run with Jacob deGrom. It nice. would have been it would have been a walk-off home run with Jacob deGrom had my opponent not dashboarded me and quit before the ball could uh leave no. the ballpark. But uh yeah, I know what happened.
1: Not fucking show. Yeah.
0: So these next two, uh, I think definitely have a chance of being broken. And they are hitter related and they are strikeout related. And that is the career strikeout record for hitters, Reggie Jackson with two thousand five hundred and 97 strikeouts and the most strikeouts for a hitter in a single season. 223 by noted all-or-nothing slugger Mark Reynolds. I I definitely think as pitchers continue to get better and hitters continue to try and struggle against the, that improved pitching, I definitely think that we're going to see this. I know that a lot of teams and a lot of you know analytics are trying to drive towards managing the strike zone and controlling the strike zone, but there are still dudes who are gripping and ripping and missing and getting them daddy hacks yeah. in. I think these records could fall.
1: I could see that. There's definitely, I mean, a great example is you look at the Braves, a team that that swings to everything, but not out of the zone, but they still swing a lot. Like, uh, you know, guys like Acuna, Ozuna, um, uh, what's their center fielders name, Harris, like they strike out a decent amount, and they're not fishing for balls out of the zone. They're just trying to hit everything. Um, And there's a lot of guys like that now in the league. I could definitely see that happening.
0: Yeah. Do you want to know who the active leader is in career strikeouts for a hitter?
1: Oh, career? Oh, active. Uh, hmm.
0: Number six on the list. I don't know. Miguel Cabrera.
1: Maggie, of course.
0: 2000. 2000- yeah.
1: I don't know. Can you count him in a lot of those active things since he's, he's active-ish?
0: <laughs> he's air quotes... Yeah. Active. Uh, the next closest to him is seven spots down on the list, and that is Nelson Cruz, who is uh, at one thousand nine hundred six strikeouts. He's forty-two. Miggy's forty. You got to go yeah. way down the list uh, to number thirty-seven, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, Paul Goldschmidt's at forty-eight. So it's it's going to be a while, but I definitely think that uh, that is a record that could fall. Uh, the single season record, I definitely th- definitely think will fall at some point. There's gonna be somebody who's gonna come it's gonna be like a Joey Gallo type, you know. I will say
1: Judge too. I mean Judge strikes out a lot. Uh he's, he's not hitting home runs, he's he's striking out, you know.
0: God, I feel like I feel like his rookie season he struck out over two hundred times. Yeah. 2017 he struck out 208 times shit last year he struck out 175 times
1: and again he, he you know set the american league record so if he's if he's putting up those kind of numbers but still striking out a lot i can absolutely see that because it's It's a function of that type of hitter, you know, those, like you said, all or nothing hitters. If you're going to put the ball in play in that fashion and pretty much only that fashion, so don't talk about Judge like he's a, a, he's not an itchro type that can just put the ball in play wherever. He hits home runs. That's his thing. Yeah.
0: He's, he, I'm, I'm, I'm going to propose a new nickname for Mr. Aaron Judge. I'm going to call him Mr. All or Nothing because I cannot recall the last time I saw somebody strike out 175 times in a season and still th- hit 311 with a 425 on base percentage and a 1.111 OPS.
1: Damn. That was that, last season? That was
0: last season. That was 2022. God, yeah. 130, he had a 570 at bats and he struck out 175 of those times. So if you run it, so, 400, so 395 at bats where he Didn't strike out, and he had 177 hits, so 220 ish times that he made an out that weren't strikeouts. So he 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 struck out almost half of his outs. That's insane, and still hit 311 home runs, and still uh you know broke the American League single season home run record, uh not the all time single season career or single season home run record, you leptons. It's Barry Bonds. Don't argue with me over the over a podcast. I threw this one in because I think it's a a spicy take that I think would be fun to talk about. Do you think that somebody can break Mariano Rivera's career save record of 652 career saves?
1: I don't think anything is impossible. That's up there, though. I mean, who's who's an active player? I know that Jansen and uh, uh, Kimbrell just got 400 recently. Yeah. And they're still on the younger side, but they're also like starting to not be as dominant. Uh, as their careers have gone on. Like Chapman might have been in the conversation, but he plays for the Royals now, so yeah. how many save opportunities does he even get anymore? <laughs> yeah,
0: and he's 35 years old, and he's 24th on the all-time list. I mean, there's there's a pretty precipitous drop-off after number two, which is Trevor Hoffman. He's the o- only the second pitcher, he and Mariano Rivera, to have over 600 career saves. After 601 saves with Trevor Hoffman, you get all the way down to Lee Smith with 478. Wow. So the reason I ask is because it it requires you to kind of look ahead to the future of pitching and mm. and ask Are we going to see because of the way pitching has changed and like a lot of teams don't have a closer anymore? They just mm-hmm. I mean the Tigers most notably, um, at least in our sphere, you know AJ Hinch notably does not like to have. Uh, a, a closer, a designated closer, although it would be arguably Alex Lang. um but maybe maybe it'll make it a com- make a comeback. And with so many guys and so many pitchers, like the bullpen usage is 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 more is is higher now. Even than when Rivera was pitching, I think if somebody gets you know in the right situation, another dynasty like the Yankees, I think this one could happen.
1: Yeah, like I said, I I don't want to discount it. Um- I don't know if we're currently living in the time where that guy is an active player or if or if we'd even know, like if he was, if he's even on that list right now, you know, or mm-hmm. if he's I mean, uh who was the save leader from last year, you know? Uh Class A with forty-two last year. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so forty-two last year and he is the ripe old age of seven. No, <laughs> Twenty-five. <laughs> so yeah, he's well, twenty-five.
0: Yeah, but he is way down the list. Here's my pick. Currently sitting at fiftieth all time at the age of twenty-nine with two hundred and five saves. Your friend and mine, Edwin Diaz.
1: Insert Q for uh Tommy Trumpets right here. Yep. I could see that. Um, he's injured right now there's a chance he might come back by the end of the season. The question I think that revolves around this one and we don't have to spend too much more time on it but it, it's like you said it's it's the nature of what pitching is right now. Do these guys get save opportunities if they if, if they even make it that far, you know? Yep. Um Diaz seemed to get a lot last year. Um but that's cuz the Mets were competitive. They were they were taking leads late. They weren't blowing those leads in the middle innings. Um you know, can you really count on that? I don't know, Rivera had that that opportunity because the Yankees always kept him in that in that position. So yeah. we'll see. I, I do agree. I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's like some of the others that we mentioned earlier. I think it's possible to beat.
0: Yeah. All right, so those are the records. Uh, we do have some other records as well, but these are some of the weirdest ones that I could find. Uh, a lot of like <laughs> notable achievements as well. Speaking of pitchers, the most games pitched, without a win is 80 and two dudes have that record a guy named juan alvarez and another guy named ed old they had 80 games pitched in their major league careers and not a single win between the two of them
1: these were starting pitchers
0: yes oh
1: man that's so sad. Yeah, it's not great.
0: Um, here's one that I, I thought was great. Uh, only one player in Major League history has hit a grand slam from both sides of the plate in one game, and that was uh, one-time hitting champion in former Boston Red Sox, uh, third baseman Bill Miller, who did the uh, pulled that feat off on July 29th, 2003, versus Texas. He actually hit three home runs in that game. Oh, my God. Have a day, Billy Miller.
1: It's impressive enough as a switch hitter when you can do that in general, but to then do it so so clutch that's nuts.
0: And I just think it was like I, I mean he was getting a little he's like I already hit two, but you know you guys mind if I hit three yeah, and fuck. he just he just went and did it um, <laughs> Here's one I, I mentioned this to uh, my wife uh, and former guest Katie uh, earlier and she thought this was hilarious. One guy got at least one hit for two different teams in the same day. In 1982, uh, career journeyman Joel Youngblood, he got a hit while playing for the Mets against the Chicago Cubs in Chicago. He was then traded that afternoon after the game. He hauled ass to Philadelphia to join the team he had been traded to, the Montreal Expos. And then he got a hit that night. Two hits, (laughs) two different teams in the same day and a nice little cherry on top of that was the hit he got in the first game against the Cubs was off of future hall of famer Fergie, Jen- Fergie Jenkins and then he went to Philadelphia and got a hit off of other future hall of famer Steve Carlton
1: that's nuts i okay here's my big question i'm i'm the Expos i just traded for this journeyman and And he just played in the first, theoretically, like an afternoon game or the first game of a doubleheader. Why in God's name are you putting him in the lineup that day? You're like, hey, we got this new guy coming and He's coming in from Chicago today. He'll be here later. Sweet. Pencil him in. He's going to, I mean, so many questions. I I remember reading the story. I don't think he was on the starting lineup. I think he he pinch hit or he was a it was a bench player or something like that, right? It was. He I
0: I I didn't I didn't see that part. Okay. I mean, if if that's true, and I, I we'll put the link in the show notes because I it's it's in one of the uh, the links that I put in the show notes yeah. uh, for you. But yeah, he he got two hits. I mean, I mean or one. Hit, at shout least. out
1: to those managers because it's like I would have never thought of that. I would have been like, yeah, well, he's he's tired. He just traveled. We just traded for him. How did they even have a jersey for him? I do not even think about the, the logistics of like. Yeah, they gotta print a jersey. They gotta stitch his name onto the back. There's so much going on right now.
0: I spent an entire day in the Detroit airport last year. I was supposed to fly from Detroit to Madison, Wisconsin, and the flight was supposed to leave at eight and land at eight because of the time change. Uh, I didn't land in Madison until five o'clock, and I didn't even want to go to dinner. Yikes! <laughs> my boss, my boss's boss, who was going to meet me and had take me out to dinner, is like, "Man, if you don't want to go to dinner, that's that's totally okay. I understand. That sucks." i wouldn't want to try and get i wouldn't want to play in a baseball game get on an airplane and then go play in another fucking baseball game and have to deal with yeah. steve goddamn carlton
1: <laughs> yeah and listen so she- this was this was before you know the tsa and all the you know how bullshit airports are these days but oh yeah. still like i go to the airport i don't want to go to work that day I mean, i'm having three drinks and falling asleep on the plane Absolutely. this guy went to work got on a plane went back to work yeah exactly <laughs> For a new <laughs> boss.
0: For a new boss, and the boss was like, "Get in there! Can I have a t- take the night off? No, asshole! Get in there! You're what the fuck! You're you're Joel Youngblood! Damn it! Uh, um, a record uh, in futility that will uh, likely never be surpassed: uh, the most consecutive games without hitting a home run post 1950. Because there was a guy who went like." I think got it was like five, like five seasons, but it was in the dead ball era, so I didn't include it. Larry Boa, former uh, shortstop, uh, light hitting shortstop, former Philadelphia Phillies manager, Larry Boa went three hundred and ninety four games, two full seasons and change, without hitting a single home run. And I, I, I looked, I looked hard to make sure that that wasn't that record had not been surpassed. I didn't see anything that said anything to the contrary, so. Larry Boa, I'm I'm really sorry that this is the reason you're you're first being mentioned on our show, and but again,
1: like. You get those opportunities because you must have been good at hitting other things. So it's just weird because I've seen I've seen some bad players at least hit one home run. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry Boa played
0: shortstop at a time in an era when shortstops were not like you weren't expecting your shortstops to be hitters. But that back in that era, they were defensive specialists. You know, yeah. you didn't they weren't expected to contribute much offensively. Um, so that makes sense um the oldest player to ever play in a major league game mini minoso i believe i think it's pronounced minoso uh but uh i think there's a tilde in there somewhere mm-hmm. Fif- 54 years old he's suited up uh the the article that i found and i again flying by the seat of our pants here i did not look up exactly who he played for but the article that i found said he he played for the Cleveland White Sox.
1: Huh, okay.
0: (laughs) Now, I know he played for a long time with the Chicago White Sox, so I assume that's what they meant. Um, On the other side of the spectrum, one that will definitely, definitely never get broken again because, I mean, I think, if nothing else, it'll violate child labor laws. The youngest player to ever suit up for a Major League Baseball team Chicago, Cincinnati Reds legend. They named a street after him right by the stadium. Joe Nuxhall was 15 years old. God damn! It, when he recorded, he did not do very well. He got—I uh, think—he gave up five hits and five walks. I think is what oh, I saw. He was a pitcher.
1: Oh, he no. was a pitcher.
0: Yeah, he was a pitcher. Fifteen years old. A very, very important detail here that I think uh, bears mentioning was that he did this in 1944. Mm. Uh, so a lot of players were still off uh, fighting in World War II. He was a local kid. Uh, they signed him out of high school. They were like, "Hey, buddy, get out there and you know show them what you got," because the boys are at war and he was like god no please god no i'm 15.
1: i should be in high school right i now. should
0: i should be a so- i was a sophomore i was a sophomore in high school and i was not throwing anywhere near the velocity uh i couldn't even strike out anybody in 1844 let alone 1944 uh not at that professional level so shout out to joe nuxhall uh i don't know why they named a street after you i assume that you did more beyond that but uh they love him in cincinnati so if you are from cincinnati and you know why they named a uh street near the great american ballpark after joe nuxhall uh let us know why we should have known that fact
1: i think it's actually because he died that same game that he started (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that record's gonna get broken no Um, no, uh, can you a, imagine a, them wheeling out a child? There's a, a a pitcher for the Tigers named Reese Olsen yep. who has a very baby face with rosacea and everything. He's 23 and yeah. he looks like a child. I can't imagine an actual child pitching in a major league game.
0: I I, I watched Reese Olson that that game that he started. He did really good in that start that he had. Yes, and uh, the whole time he looked like he was like really intense and focused. But I I thought it was because he was just like. It, they're going to figure me out. They're going to know that I'm not the real Reese Olsen.
1: And they're going to know I'm actually two kids in a in – a, uh, Tigers no, I was uniform. I say a trench coat, but he's wearing a uniform.
0: <laughs> two kids in a Tigers uniform. That's what he looked like. Um, the, uh, one other fun one that's noteworthy that will probably never get broken is the shortest player in Major League Baseball history, uh, famously Eddie Goodell. Uh, Cleveland – I think they were the Cleveland Browns at that – I think they were called the Cleveland Browns at that time. Cleveland or St. Louis. Anyway, it was Bill Vec, noted uh, baseball owner and lunatic. Bill Vec was like, ah, oh, we're going to do something uh, fun. We're going to throw a, a little person out there. And he took an at bat. <laughs> he drew a walk. Uh, his uniform number was 18th. Oh, um, no. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, but yeah, chances are nobody's ever gonna be shorter than Eddie Goodell. So there you go. Some of uh some of the unbreakable records, some of the records we think might be broken, and some weird shit that will probably never happen again. Um, if you're listening to this and you do follow us on the socials or whatever, li- li- like drop some, you know, I do my reels every Wednesday. Throw some comments in there, uh, you know, and let us know. Like w- w- some other, if you know some weird records or some other records you think might get br- might get broken, we'd uh we'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily like I don't I don't need to see the stats. Like oh, so and so is like a really good whatever hitter, but like those weird records that you think like could this ever be broken? I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, this was fun, Carl. I I really enjoy this stuff. This is sort of like the kind of thing if I was ever an athlete and I saw on a wall, I'd be like do that i want to beat that (laughs) yeah and i'm sure so many guys in the league probably think the same way
0: absolutely i I give I i i would love to set a record that's why when i was a kid i i loved getting every new edition of the guinness book like the literal guinness book of world records because i used to be obsessed with it and i used to um i used to like go through it and find like i could break that record i could break that record and now I'm actually friends with a person who has several Guinness world records uh, and I would like him to be on the show. We tried to get him on the show. My friend, uh, my friend Jack, uh, he, we we will get him on the show eventually, but he is the, uh, the owner of uh, multiple Guinness world records. So, and they are extremely specific and esoteric. I can't wait for him to come on and tell you all about it.
1: Hell yeah. Well, folks, that's going to do it uh, once again for put me in coach uh as always please like subscribe uh leave us a review leave us a rating if you're on spotify you can participate in our i a i'm gonna ask this week do you have a favorite record talk to us on instagram or twitter our website all those things will get plugged at the end carl any closing thoughts
0: uh no just once again i'm i'm glad you made it back from the woods i'm glad you're you're safe and i'm glad you're my co-host
1: thank you sir I am going back to the woods this weekend.
0: Good for you.
1: <laughs> it's gonna—it's a lot of camping in in the month of June, and I'll tell you what, upstate New York in June, it gets very cold at night still. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna uh, do my,
0: my family's gonna do some camping here in in July. So I don't think we'll have that problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michigan in July camping. Oh man, that's the sweet spot. But hey, uh, next week we're talking more baseball. So join us then, folks, for another uh, put me in, coach. And we will be back. Put Me In Coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback, edited and produced by Matt Coggins. Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Put Me In Pod or at our website put me in